Are you ready to take control of your wealth and design the life you envision for yourself and your family? Welcome to Wealth of Insight with Austin Wittenberg from Wittenberg Wealth Partners. Austin guides you through the entire planning process to help you build a plan that seeks to protect your financial future. He empowers you with creative investment opportunities and planning ideas to help you understand and achieve your long-term goals. It's time to gain confidence in your financial future. Now, onto the show. Welcome back to the Wealth of Insight podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wittenberg, joined by Wendy McConnell today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining again. We talked last time about how there's no such thing as stupid questions, and we're going to continue that today. Episode two of the questions you were afraid to ask series here. So a couple of questions we'll go through today. The first one being, and I, this one, you know, so it's on our list, but people do ask me this. So maybe they're not afraid to ask this one necessarily, but that is what's better stocks or bonds. Hmm. So we're going to talk, you know, we've talked a lot about stocks and bonds on this podcast, but I don't know that I've technically defined what is a stock and what is a bond. So let's start there. When you purchase a bond and where we've talked a lot about treasuries or even there are what are known as corporate bonds, bonds from companies, essentially you're loaning your money to that company or to the government with an expectation to have some level of return back. So you're a debtor, you're loaning money in that case when you buy a bond. When you buy a stock, it's the opposite. You are buying part ownership in a company. So I'm proud to, you can be a proud owner of Apple or Google or Tesla. You can say, Hey, I am an, a business owner. I own a part of this company. So, so that's why stocks are sometimes referred to as equity and bonds are referred to as debt investments. So with stocks, when you buy a company stock, as I mentioned, you're buying a share of that company. So the more you own, the more you buy, the more you own of that particular company and stocks are typically, I would say, meant to be long-term investments. So, And there are pros and cons to investing in stocks. The biggest benefit, historically speaking, if we look backwards, now the, the past is no predictor of the future, but historically speaking, stocks have been one of the best performing investments that you can own. So if you want to grow your money, stocks historically have been a good way to do that. And you know, you, again, if you had bought we all wish we had bought Apple or Amazon or Tesla, <laughs> these types of companies, right? When they first launched and we just held on to them forever. That's been a great way for people to grow their wealth over time. Some other pros to stocks are they're relatively liquid. So if you want to get your money back, you can. Now, when I say money back, you're not guaranteed to get what you paid back. But if you want to get your money out because you need the cash, easy to buy and sell. There's a very robust stock market that there's, again, you just hop onto your website or talk to your advisor. Hey, I need to sell. I want some cash. Relatively easy to liquidate, no penalties, anything like that. Maybe some trading costs depending on on where you're at. Is that when we see the guys on the floor uh, roll holding up the paper, yelling and screaming? Yes, that is still a thing. It is more and more computerized, but there are still people on the stock exchange doing that kind of stuff, buying and selling. Okay. For the most part, it's done with computers now, but there no are- fun. Yeah, not as fun. No, but easier and cheaper. We'll say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's sort of the pros of stocks. Now the cons are, as I mentioned, you can 
lose your money. Now, I you know I mentioned stocks over the long term have performed well. Now that's the stock market as a whole. Throughout that period of time, there's been countless companies who have gone bankrupt. So one of the risks you take in buying a stock is if that company goes bankrupt, you lose all your money, right? So you have that potential in stocks to lose your money. The other, I guess it's a sort of a pro and a con. The pro is if your stocks grow, the con is when you sell them could potentially trigger a significant tax bill depending on how much those stocks have grown. Not the worst problem to have. No. Yeah. You know, we all hate taxes as we should, because it does suck to have to write that check to the government, but it means that a, you either made money or your investments did good. Right. So there's this, there's a silver lining in there. So those are the pros and cons of investing in stocks. Now, if we look at bonds, bonds, if you, when you buy a bond or loan the government or a company money, that bond could potentially rise in value, grow in time, but that's really not the purpose. The purpose for a bond is you give someone that your money, you loan them money, they pay you a fixed income. Sometimes you'll hear bonds referred to as fixed income investments, whether that's 3%, 5%, whatever the stated interest rate may be. They pay that. And then at the end of the time period, so you may sign up for a six-month bond, a one-year bond, a 30-year bond, even seeing some 100-year bonds, which seems like a long time to make a commitment. But when that at the end of that term, they give you your money back. So you buy a bond for $1,000, they pay you 5% interest along the way. And then at the end of that term, let's say a one-year term, they give you your $1,000 back. So the pro, you know, so again, pros and cons, pros, bonds tend to be less volatile than stocks. That's not always the case. We've talked again about 2022 being an interesting year where stocks and bonds both were down big. And that does not happen very often, but it can happen. Historically speaking, bonds don't fluctuate as much as their stock counterparts, but they're not totally risk-free. As I mentioned, your bond price can go up or down depending on what's happening with interest rates. So, you know, again, you're not totally protected from loss there, but they do tend to be more stable and paying out that income. Whereas most, you know, there are some stocks that pay out dividends, but most stocks just are meant to own and to grow. So that's sort of what a stock is, what a bond is. So which one is better depends on your circumstance. So the total attorney, it depends answer there. Depends on what you're trying to accomplish. And the reality of for most people, they end up with some combination of both, some combination of, hey, I want, if you're thinking about your personal financial situation, you may have a bank account, an investment account, and then a retirement account through work. Some clients will say, hey, I'm going to be more aggressive in my retirement account. So we're going to go stocks there, but I want bonds and something traditionally less volatile in some of my other accounts so that I've got some safe money, some money that's growing. And overall, you know, you're working towards those financial objectives. So that's a a question that people ask, what should I be buying? And that really depends on what you're trying to accomplish and your personal situation. You know, again, that, that diversification is really 
what we're looking for there, not putting all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak. Yes. Okay. Question number two today is what's the difference between passively managed and actively managed funds? Now we do have an episode on this. It's a few episodes back. I probably should have looked up the number of which episode it was before I did this, but I didn't. So if you look at the list, you will find it there. But there are two types of funds out there, one being passively managed, one being actively managed. And it may be self-explanatory, but I'll give you a little bit of a definition of what that means. So actively managed funds, exactly what it sounds like. The manager is taking an active role in buying and selling and picking what things they want to own. There's funds out there of all various kinds, some that only buy large stocks, some that only buy small stocks, some that only buy real estate, some that only buy fast food or whatever it may be, right? Stocks. So they're actively picking which stocks they want to buy in those areas. And the downsides to having an active fund are the typically more cost because there's this person actively making those decisions. On the, the reason- floor. Yes, exactly. Waving that out. Now you're close enough. You should just probably drive up there one day and check it out. Will they let me in? They'll let you in. I think you can at least look. I don't, to be honest, I don't know. Might be able to look through the, look through the window. (laughs) I would totally do that if they would let me in. It would be interesting. Yes. Um, So the reason you're paying those guys on the floor is because you hope that they're smarter than the market as a whole. So you have with an actively managed fund, you have the possibility to outperform the market because your guy chose something that did better than what the market as a whole were doing. So that's why you pick an actively managed fund. Now that comes with the risk of they might pick the wrong stuff and go the other way as well, right? So you might underperform, but they're actively picking. And again, so you you hope that there's the potential for outperformance on the upside, or if the market's going down, they're able to protect you from market losses by selling, by going to the floor and waving their paper and saying, get me out of here because the market (laughs) is going down. Passively managed, again, is the opposite. There's nobody placing a bunch of trades or on the floor by making those buys and sells. They look at, okay, you know, let's just take again, the S&P 500, for example, there's 500 stocks in the S&P 500. We're just going to buy all 500 of those and let them sit there and do their thing. Now it doesn't have to be, so those are true, you know, what it would be called an index fund. There are a number of passive, even mutual funds or passive investments that have not just some index, but we're going to buy stocks who have a certain ESG requirement, people that are, you know, looking out for the environment or things like that, you know, so it doesn't, it's not just necessarily the S and P 500, but some specific sector, but again, rather than actively buying and selling, picking ones, which they think might be the best, they just buy them all and, and let that ride. So it's a lot cheaper to do it that way. You don't have to pay the guy to go to the floor to wave his paper around, but almost by definition, you will never outperform the market. You know, an S and P 500 index fund is going to do exactly what the S&P 500 does. So there's no opportunity to do better and that vice versa, no opportunity to do worse, right? Mm -hmm. So you just, they let the market do its thing. And that can be really good for people who have a high risk tolerance or are younger traditionally and are willing to sort of go for that roller coaster ride. Other people may opt for the active fund because they want that 
downside protection potentially, right? They want somebody watching over it and not just turning it over to the computers and AI. So that's the difference between active and managed and similar to what's better, stocks or bonds, active and passive. Some do better at certain market environments, you know, and the others do better in others. So having good exposure to both typically is a good idea and, you know, gives you sort of the best of both worlds. You might get the sense from this question and the last question. I'm sort of a fence rider. I like to dip my toes on both sides here because there are good things about both sides. So are most like 401k programs then passive? That is a great question. And it actually leads into the third question, which is what's the difference between sort of mutual funds and exchange traded funds or ETFs, which tend to be index funds. So in your 401k, you typically have both options. There will be some, if you go through your list of funds, it, it should say like, hey, these are the actively managed funds. These are the index funds. Or in the name of the actual underlying investment, it will say American funds, for example, is one of the largest mutual fund companies out there. It'll say American funds growth fund of America, or it will just say S&P 500 index fund. So the American funds is going to be actively managed. That index fund is going to be passively managed. So you should have both. You know, Most plans are going to have both options again in there. Okay. Got it. Okay. So that leads into, like I mentioned, the third question. And this is actually those first two questions. I think people are Getting more up to speed on there. This third question is one I that I really think people are afraid to ask. And that is what's the difference between mutual funds and exchange traded funds or ETFs? E- so ex- ETF is a pretty common lingo out there now these days, but ex- it stands for exchange traded funds. So let's start with mutual funds. Mutual funds are one of the oldest and most common ways that people are investing, right? 401ks or other things. It's one of the oldest ways that people have been investing as well as just buying out their individual stocks, right? So according to the Securities and Exchange Commission, a mutual fund is a company that pools money from many investors and invests that money in stocks, bonds, or other investments. And the combined holdings of the mutual fund make up the portfolio and you buy shares in that fund. So when you buy a mutual fund, you're not you're buying shares in this company that then turns around and uses your money to buy these stocks and other types of investments. And the reason that you do that is simplifying your life rather than having to buy 500 stocks yourself or whatever. You can buy one fund and they do it for you and gives you good diversification. You know, again, a share of that mutual fund might be, let's just make up a number here, but if a share of the mutual fund is $100, you can buy one share of that mutual fund for $100, which gives you owner partial ownership of a number of individual stocks that if you were to go out and buy them on your own, you'd have to have a lot more money to be able to get that same level of diversification. There are a few downsides to mutual funds here though. And the biggest one, I think maybe the one that's most often misunderstood is that mutual funds only trade once per day at the end of the day. So if you wake up today and you think, oh, the market's going down today. I want to sell. You go to sell your mutual fund. It doesn't matter if you sell it at nine in the morning, at one in the afternoon. It doesn't matter. That is only going to sell at the end of the day. So there's really no way 
for you as a the owner of a mutual fund to get out of the market immediately, if that makes sense. Now you can get out at the end of the day, so you only got to wait a few hours. But if you wake up and you see the market sliding and you, you're thinking, oh, no, I want to sell, you can't. You place the order, but it, nothing happens till the end of the day. I think that's important for to know. If a client calls me saying, hey, I want to get out of the market for whatever reason. Now, I'm going to try to talk them out of it first and foremost, because jumping in and out, we've talked about that. That doesn't work either. But if you want to get out and you call me, I'd say, great, we will place the order. But whatever happens today, you still participate in. Stuck with. Yeah. <laughs> Mutual funds are so, also aren't super transparent in terms of what they hold. If you go to a mutual funds website, you typically can see, hey, here are our top 10 holdings. But it's really difficult to figure out what are all of the holdings of this fund. And mutual funds, depending on their objective, can be drastically different. So you just want to make sure generally they at least fit into some categories like, again, big stocks or small stocks or real estate or dividend paying stocks or whatever. But in terms of what it is underlying that general theme. It's not always the easiest to find. And they will send you a prospectus, which is a just super legal document that if you're not an attorney or trained in the industry, it's going to be a you know hard to understand anyway. So and then as you know, as we mentioned earlier with the active passive thing, typically on average, mutual funds are going to be more expensive than exchange traded funds in terms of the underlying fees that they charge. Not Jim. So that's mutual funds. Exchange traded funds or ETFs, these can be actively managed or passive, but more often than not, they're like an index fund, as I mentioned, an S&P 500 or uh, technology specific or solar or whatever it may be. They pick a lane and they say, okay, we're going to pick this lane. We're going to passively, we're going to buy all those stocks. We're going to passively manage in this section. So they, that, helps them their fees be lower because of that passive management and with exchange traded funds. And this is again, the biggest difference I think people don't realize is if you go to sell an exchange traded fund, if you sell it at nine o'clock, you get the price that it's at at nine o'clock. If you sell it at 11 o'clock. So those funds rather than mutual funds trading at the end of the day, exchange traded funds trade when you place the trade. So there's maybe fees again that your brokerage has, but if you're trying to sell it for $100 at 9 a.m. and you sell it at 9 a.m., you sell it for $100. And it doesn't matter what happens the rest of the day. You get your price at the time that you sell it. Okay. So some people would really like that. Yeah. So just knowing, having a little bit more control over, hey, I know exactly what I'm going to get when I go to sell this. I'm not dependent on what happens the rest of the day. You know, We have seen from a behavioral standpoint, it's actually has proven to be somewhat of a negative because human being you know, because you can trade them like that more frequently you do just sort of human nature and so we've seen people because of that flexibility buying and selling things in the same day and racking up trading charges and things they probably didn't need to just because they have that capability but if you're working with an advisor typically you know our job is to help control that behavior a little bit but it does give you a little bit more control over when you can sell. And they tend also to be more transparent with the underlying holdings. So again, the S&P 500, it's pretty easy to figure out what are those 500 stocks. Or again, you go to the, the website and it will list out 
the holding. So again, not not in all cases, but for the most part, ETFs are a little bit more transparent, cheaper to own, and you can trade them during the day. Mutual funds, a little bit more expensive, a little bit less transparent, and only trade once a day. Pros and cons to both there. That is the difference between mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. Okay. Okay. Man, I feel like I went through that really fast. I threw a lot of information out there. Hopefully now you don't have to be afraid to answer those questions. If you have any additional questions, please feel free to reach out to me at my uh, phone number, 801-839-7056. You can hit our website, wittenbergwealth.com. And please remember to share with your friends and family. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Wealth of Insight podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Stratos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Stratos Wealth Partners and Wittenberg Wealth Partners are separate entities from LPL Financial. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wittenberg Wealth Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.